Hi, listeners. This is Understand South Carolina, a weekly news podcast by the Post and Courier. Football is a cherished sport to many in South Carolina. Whether you're a USC or Clemson fan, it's no secret that the COVID-19 pandemic has changed this season. I'm Emily Williams. I'm Gavin McIntyre. We're going to be joined by two guests today, David Cloninger, who covers Gamecock football. Welcome, David. How you doing? And Josh Needleman, who covers Clemson football. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So thanks for joining us again. Uh, so we're, so Clemson is two games into the season, and the Gamecocks just had their first game this Saturday. Uh, so where do these two teams kind of stand so far, and how would you kind of rate their season? Uh, well, I'll go first. Uh, obviously, South Carolina gave away a game that they could have won uh, Saturday to Tennessee. Um, you know, they're expected to struggle this season playing seven teams in the top 25 in the 10 game, 10 game schedule. So they're probably going to be looking back at that one and regretting it because it really is a game that they could have won. I won't say should have won, but uh, they definitely had a chance and uh, they cost themselves that chance. But they're 0-1. They head to number three, Florida this weekend. So uh, it's not looking real shiny right now for the Gamecocks, but there's a lot of season left to go. Yeah, a little bit different for Clemson, a uh, little less drama. Uh, I mean, Clemson's going to be a national title favorite and contender. Um, they're probably going to blow everyone out every week, though there are a couple of games that could be a little more difficult coming up. Um, they play Virginia this coming week, which which should be a little easy one, but then they play uh, Miami, who's been surprisingly good uh, this year, ranked eight in the country now in two weeks. Uh, but, you know, for, for the most part, it's been pretty much ho-hum for Clemson so far. 2-0, two, two blowouts, start the year. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. What about those games themselves? Um, what have those games looked like, and, and how did they differ from your typical start-of-the-season match? Oh, I can't say that it really, you know, differed anything. I mean, obviously, South Carolina was supposed to open with Coastal Carolina and not an SEC opponent, much less one ranked in the top 25. So, uh, you know, from that vein, it looked a little bit different. They didn't have the quote-unquote warm-up game uh, to kind of get their feet wet and, and work in some new formations, some new personnel in a game that you're expected to win. Uh, but then again, and what's become kind of the trend these past couple of years South Carolina played pretty well, just not well enough to come out ahead uh, at the end. So it's a lot of questions uh, created about the uh, direction of the Gamecocks program and where it's going to go. But then again, it's just been one game. So there's always the chance that they could uh, reverse this with a huge monumental win this weekend and go on to have a good season. Yeah, well, so Clemson started their season at Wake Forest, which was, I mean, interesting. There were no fan there. Um, I don't think even even the Clemson parents were allowed in. And then, and then this past week, they did have fans at Clemson. They had about, uh, I think it was like 18,000 fans for Clemson's week two game. Um, so kind of an interesting juxtaposition those first two weeks with a completely empty stadium week one, and then a socially distanced crowd uh, week two. Um, you know, on the field, it's been sort of as, as we'd expect, but, uh, you know, everything else has been kind of thrown up in the air. And how does it feel for y'all just to be covering football this fall? I know it didn't look clear that that was going to even happen. Um, how does it feel to kind of get back doing that? 
Uh, it really is a, a return to normal, uh, so to speak. I mean, if you could call normal, you know, wearing a mask, being social distanced, uh, seeing a basically empty stadium. Uh, but, you know, it is good to just see, uh, you know, the games back on the field and have something to do. I mean, we've been very lucky with the Post and Courier that material and uh, stories to write never went anywhere over the summer. There was always going to be something happening, and you could always draw a lot of it back to the threat of no football being played at all. Uh, but everybody seems to have figured it out. So it was good to kind of get back in the routine of a normal football fall. Yeah. And I know one of those uh, storylines that uh, came out was the NCAA giving uh, athletes uh, a free year. Um, could you uh, guys kind of go, go into that and what that means for uh, student athletes? Gosh, you want to take that one first? Yeah, it, it creates an interesting dynamic. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, Dabo's talked about that a lot. Uh, he's he jokingly mentioned that that now Trevor Lawrence, who is the presumed number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft, could could stay for an extra year. <laughs> so he's a junior now. Theoretically, he'd come back next year. And now with this retro year, he can come back the year after that. <laughs> and then Trevor kind of ended that speculation before the season started when he said, "Yeah, this is my last year. I'm <laughs> I'm going to the NFL. Time to get paid." Um, no, it's interesting. I mean, there are a lot of guys who could use that extra year. Um, you know, guys who end up getting hurt this year um, get that extra year. Uh, and, 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 you know, and, and that's crucial in, in, in college sports, having an extra year. I mean, just look at, uh, you know, Joe Burrow last year. It wasn't a redshirt year, but, you know, had he not had that year, he, man, he, I don't know, if he, he might not be in the NFL right now. He definitely wouldn't have been the one overall pick. Um, so, yeah, it's really big. And it changes things, too. It changes how you how you manage your your depth chart and, and, and uh, sort of the way you go about things. So, yeah, it really changes everything. Yeah, it's an interesting point that the NCAA did the right thing by granting everybody a free year of eligibility, at least for the spring sports and now the fall sports. They haven't yet decided on winter sports like basketball. Um, but the main thing is, is that it's the right thing for the NCAA to do to say that those kids can come back. Uh, but the main thing is that can the schools – with all the revenue they're going to lose from this football season, from other, uh, you know, COVID related complications, will they be able to afford to cover those scholarships? Uh, just speaking for here at USC, I know that Ray Tanner, the athletics director, deeply wants to help every student athlete on campus. He wants to provide for them, wants to make sure that they have that scholarship available if they choose to come back next year. But the fact is, is that the department is going to be around $58 million short of the revenue that it was supposed to cover. So those cuts are going to have to come somewhere. You hope it doesn't come from scholarships, um, but, you know, that may be a case that they have to talk to. There's already some kids on the football team, uh, Shy Smith, their best receiver, Parker White, their place kicker, guys who may be on the fringe of going to the NFL, you know, unlike a, a Trevor Lawrence or a Travis Etienne at Clemson, uh, that, you know, have expressed that if that opportunity is there, then they might take it. They'll just have to see how it goes. But now you just have to hope that the scholarship money will be there for them to return. Yeah, with that financial aspect, I'm wondering, too, how that might play out if they don't have the money to fund those scholarships. If it could be only certain players, they would be more selective, I guess, with who could stay. Have they talked about that at all, of, of, of how that could play out if um, they're not able to afford it? 
Well, there's been some early discussions, and at least right now, again, just at USC, there's not the talk of, the, of anything like that. As far as everybody knows right now, they're going to have those scholarships available, and presumably after the final game of the season, they'll say, okay, who do you think is going to come back, uh, you know, and, and the full 85 scholarships will be there, and then they'll have to see, you know, how many seniors that don't count against the 85 will want to come back and play that extra years. Yeah, I mean, to that end, um, yeah, again, I, I can't speak to if, um, you know, to what degree Clemson has, has mapped out their plan for that specifically, but just in terms of um, the financial windfall, uh, so Ipte, Clemson's fundraising arm, uh, the CEO of Ipte, Davis Bahab, sent an email a few months back uh, basically asking people to to not ask for refunds <laughs> for, for the season. Um, I mean, because the way, the way it works is, you know, normally you have your season tickets, you're good to go to every game, um, and, and there's tailgating and everything, but now with no tailgating and the socially distanced seating, um, sort of in this spot where a lot of people are interested in, in refunds. And, and Davis basically sent this email saying, like, please, please don't do that. We, we, need, we need the help. Uh, so, and, 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 you know, to Dabo's credit, he has taken a pretty significant pay cut to help offset things. But, you know, as David mentioned, this is, this is an uh, uncertain time. You never know what's going to happen. And have fans been receptive to that message of, you know, not asking for a refund? Or, or has you know Clemson tried to work with them on ways where they can kind of still enjoy the games in some type of tailgating fashion or some way? Yeah, some some fans were more receptive than others. Clemson did put together this like this game day TV web series sort of thing where they sort of take you inside um, with what's happening. So they they did they did offer that. And, and, and again, it wasn't like they were demanding for refunds. They're like, if you don't want a refund, that's fine. I mean, it, it was very like low pressure, but still it was there. And I, I think that's, that's noteworthy. So with the South Carolina too, they, uh, they, they had a, a system like that. Um, didn't really have that kind of language in it that Clemson had. It was just, um, if you want to donate your regular ticket money, your fees to the game club, We'll just keep it in a trust for you. It'll go towards next year for your tickets there. But then again, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, if I'm not going to get my tickets, I'm going to pay that. So it, uh, you know, it's, it's a very interesting time. Uh, athletic departments are struggling to find ways to make money. And just frankly, there's not a lot of ways to do that right now because of the limits on concessions and things that you would normally do, uh, you know, during a fall game. I mean, look at, look at all the parking revenue they're losing just for one. That's a huge job of the football department's uh, uh, finances. Can we just kind of go through what are the rules for game day at each of these schools right now? Um, yeah, let's start with, let's start with USC. Oh, uh, well, it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> for, first of all, this is a stadium that it just had its capacity reduced uh, thanks to some stadium renovations that they undertook. So the total capacity of the stadium's right around 77,000 and change, uh, 77.6, something like that. So right now they're saying there's a cap at 20% of stadium capacity. So you're probably around 18 to 19,000, something like that. And to just go ahead and put a point on it, only about 15,000 attended the game last week. So right there, that knocks a big chunk of your revenue out. Uh, once you're in the stadium, you have to have a social distance seat. What they've done is put uh, chair backs on each of the bleachers. So you have a four seat pod and there's only two of those four seat pods per row. 
so you don't have to climb over everybody getting to your seat. You can just leave nearest the adjacent aisle. Um, all concessions are grab and go. You can't just go up and get a, a, a fresh hot dog or a hamburger or even a Chick-fil-A biscuit. It'll all be in a box or a wrapper waiting for you to, to pay. You can't pay with cash. It's got to be with a card. They want to limit as much transactions as possible. And the biggest thing is, I mean, we all know that the game is very important on Saturdays, but the tailgating before and after is really important to a lot of fans. USC only controls two of its parking lots around the stadium, but they're the two biggest. No tailgating in those parking lots. Now, they can't enforce the no tailgating rule at any of the private lots around the stadium, but they are trying to discourage it. So that takes down a lot of the other revenue from around the stadium. If people were to stop at any USC, uh, you know, owned restaurants or businesses to buy things for their tailgate. So it, it looks a lot different, but their main goal is saying, listen, you get here, you come, you park, you go to the game and then you leave. We don't want you hanging around anymore because all that's going to do is lead to contact tracing. Yeah, that's so um just just even you know that detail of the concessions everything being pre-wrapped is just um it's 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 almost hard to imagine i haven't i haven't experienced a, a game during a covid right now it's it just sounds like a bit of a surreal experience yeah i know something you know for me covering you know the gamecocks and uh the tigers was the gamecock walk and tiger walk i bet that's probably not you know the same i guess josh what was the kind of tiger walk like uh this past uh couple weekends um it, it, it was different um i mean just, just like everything um i mean normally you have you know so many so many fans just kind of surrounding Dabo and, and the players as they come in um w- one point i wanted to get in and david you can correct me if i'm wrong but i believe clemson and south carolina south carolina as well had to get exemptions from the state to even have more than 250 fans at games this year um, in the state. Um, That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Clemson at 23% about um, capacity. 81,500 is the capacity they had. About 18,000, they can have as much as 19,000. Uh, and the Tiger Walk is is part of that. It's weird. It's different. Um, yeah, I mean, fans sitting in socially distanced pods, um, max are, are required to, to be on, um, at all times, unless eating or drinking, not everyone followed that, but that's another, it's another story, I guess. And it also takes place with, uh, road games, uh, South Carolina's on the road to Florida this weekend. So, I mean, I guess it would be different. Like when Clemson went to Wake Forest, I would assume that was a bus ride, right, Josh? Correct. Yeah. They took, it was at, wow. Yeah. That's a good point. They could work that a little bit more, but South Carolina's got to fly to Florida. So they can only, they're only going to charter one flight. They just can't afford to take another flight. So they're drastically cutting down the travel roster. Normally it's 70 players. This time it'll be around 53, kind of like an NFL squad. They're cutting down the support squad. Uh, not as many trainers and, and managers, graduate assistants, analysts are going to go this week. Uh, you know, they'll have all their meals waiting for them at the hotel so they don't have to go out anywhere or get them catered or have the hotel prepare them. And then when they go to the game so they can remain socially distant, they're going to get about six or seven buses instead of the normal four 
because they want to remain spread out and social distance while they're on the bus. But they're staying in Ocala, Florida, or Ocala, and then they'll bus to the game, play it, and get right back on and get home. There's just no time to hang around and even talk to your parents if they're lucky enough to come to the game just because they don't want to have any kind of spread happen uh, because, you know, it's just the way the schedule's set up. They still got a game next week. And I know one thing that uh, was pretty big news was that there won't be the – you know, end of season South Carolina Clemson football, you know, rivalry game. Uh, you know, can you talk about that a little bit and, you know, kind of what that, you know, means for fans and the teams? Because I know that's a, a game everyone wants to play. Everyone's, you know, excited to see. It's, it's tough, uh, you know, because there's a lot of fans who've been, had their own personal streaks, been to, you know, 45 or 50 in a row. Um, the the color man on the radio here, Tommy Moody, uh, he's a quarterback here back in the 60s. He's been to every Carolina Clemson game since 1966. So that's going to end, you know, this year. But, uh, you know, it's something that the Southeastern Conference is responsible for. When they set their new schedule, they said, you're only playing 10 conference games. That's it. And you don't get an extra. The ACC let uh, their teams have an extra game so you could work in that rivalry like carolina clemson georgia georgia tech florida florida state etc the sec said they didn't want to do that so it kind of ended it before it started the usc side of things they voted to have that game they were one of the four schools along with kentucky florida georgia to vote to have that rivalry game they vote you know there's nothing they can do about that so there there was some bitterness on there about not being able to play that game. Uh, it's going to end after well over, I think it's 119 straight games. And they were the second longest actively consecutive year running series in the country behind Minnesota and Wisconsin, which will continue this year. So um, I know that they're, they're upset that they can't play it, but let's just call a spade a spade here. Uh, South Carolina ought to be fortunate they're not going to play that game this year. Lost six in a row to Clemson. And none of them have been particularly close. And the last thing that Will Muschamp needs is another whipping from his rival before he goes to another long offseason. What have you heard from from players, if anything, about how they're feeling about this this season so far? You know, you've described all of these changes and gosh, the the, the changes for away games, especially. Um have you been able to hear anything from the players about how they're feeling about this season so far? Oh, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I mean, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence and, and Darian Rencher were kind of the, the, the figureheads of this movement that we saw in August when, when reports sort of trickled out that the season um, wouldn't be happening. I mean, they, they were the ones who sort of organized that, that big zoom call. Um, they were going to zoom call with players from all five, power conferences and they sort of put together this action plan and um it, it wasn't enough initially for the pac-12 and, and the big 10 they they initially postponed before um, announcing in the past couple of weeks that they'll be that they'll be back starting in, in later october um but but I, I mean for i mean clemson's just sort of been at, at the at the at the, at the core of the story and i guess that's how it is when when trevor lawrence is is on this team i mean every i mean he's sort of always been the sports golden boy, but now as, as a junior, who is actually an honorary senior because he's graduating in December. But now that he is an upperclassman and he has a few years under his belt, every issue, and there are so many issues in this sport, kind of flow through him. 
and he's done a really good job of of doing that but also towing the line of like not saying anything super inflammatory i think everything he said has been pretty rational i think been sort of universally um agreed as all right this is this makes sense um i, I mean as far as the actual games uh, <laughs> I, I mean there there have been there have been a it, it's, just, it's just gratitude uh, from 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 players who are just really grateful um, to even to even be there this season uh, it's it's they, they've acknowledged the weirdness of it but um, especially for home games to have to have those your, your your family there and some fans there you know, a lot of gratitude on behalf of the Clemson players yeah you know Clemson's played a couple more games or I guess just one more game in South Carolina now but they've kind of been in the routine a little more than USC who just had its first game but that's the main thing I saw too Josh was gratitude and relief that they could come out there and play the game after you know, watching and waiting and wondering so long if they'd ever had this chance. So, you know, a lot of these kids, they got sent home after the fifth spring practice, which was mid-March, and they didn't know when they were going to be coming back. So it was very tough to keep your workouts ready, keep your nutrition ready in case the season did start on time. Well, it started a month late, but at least they got to play. Yeah, and what's the, you know, outlook for Muschamp, you know, kind of moving forward? I know last year was a tough season for him, and it, it didn't turn out the way they were hoping, I guess. Does he kind of get a little, you know, kind of less on him because of what's been happening this year w with the pandemic? Well, I mean, there, there's always going to be that, uh, I, don't, I don't want to use, say, asterisk or, or anything like that attached to the season, but... Will Muschamp knows that, and a lot of people know that no matter what happens this year, he's most likely going to be back next season. And a lot of fans are not real happy about that right now, coming off a loss, coming off a loss in a game that they could have won. Uh, but that's just the situation. Uh, the finances are contributing to that. And the fact is, is that you just can't make that kind of move and be a financially responsible athletic department. So um, he's still playing every game to win. Uh, they're been some curious decisions about you know what happened there but he's still playing every game to win it's one of those funny things guys um will muschamp is everything you want in a college football coach he does everything right that you want him to do except win on saturdays which is everything you have to do so it's it's a tough time i mean right now he's 26 and 26 overall at south carolina and he's 6 and 12 in his last 18 games and he gets paid very very well to win football games and that's not happening right now so again it's a long season and anything could happen but there's going to be a lot of uh you know trying a lot of struggling to hang on to the fan base after COVID, after if they have a bad season to try to get them come back for 21. Uh, ray tanner says his biggest enemy is fan apathy and you know there's always the reactionary crowd and there's always some who prefer to let the season play out but Right now, there's a lot of storm clouds around the program, and they're not going to go away anytime soon. Well, I know that um, at least in the last several days, uh, his his name has been talked about. I'd say especially on on Twitter over a video that leaked of him dropping the f bomb. Do you know anything about any more about that? About what happened there? Yeah, it's it's real. I mean, when I first saw it, I said, if that's faked or photoshopped, somebody did a really good job. Um, it, you know, it was made two years ago. It was an outtake. It was between him and the video guy joking around, guys being guys. It happened. 
Obviously, it was never intended to be released released to the public. Uh, and, you know, having spent some one-on-one conversation with Will Muschamp, you know, we, we joke around. We talk like that occasionally. And it's just something, you know, guys being guys were just talking instead of being on the record talking. So I have no idea how it got leaked. I know the guy who shot it, uh, and he wouldn't have deliberately leaked it or shared it or anything like that. But if it was on a server somewhere, then obviously it's open game. Yeah, I wanted to go back a little bit also to the economic impact question, right? So we've kind of talked about for the schools themselves, just the really huge um, financial hit they're going to take with having these altered and and shortened seasons. Um, But also, of course, we're talking about the surrounding economy, all of the the bars and the restaurants and um, hotels that would typically be uh, busy this this time of year. Um, uh, Josh, I know you wrote about about this and also um, kind of the 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 students' um, response to to mask ordinances and and other rules in in Clemson. Um, can you touch a little on that too? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's all interconnected. I mean this this. The football team, especially in, in Clemson, I, I suppose it's a little bit different in Columbia, just the degree to which the the town feeds off of, of the team and vice versa. Um, Clemson is a small town. It, it, it's a small town. Um, there's there's 23,000 undergraduate students and uh, maybe, maybe 20,000 non-students in in town um yeah i did a story about this back in back in june when we weren't sure if this was if if there would be any sort of season and and people were freaking out um because just the the sheer volume of people who descend on on this on this town on 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 these fall seven fall football saturdays for a lot of these businesses makes up close to 50 percent of their annual revenue which is just nuts and, and 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 now yes there are games but eighteen thousand is a hell of a lot less than eighty thousand <laughs> um, as as we know I I believe from the the, uh, the chamber of commerce told me that they'll make close to um, like on average let's see I have it here how much it is uh, about I believe about two million a weekend um, at least on average just in terms of economic impact for the city. Yeah, you're right, Josh. I mean, at USC, of course, when the students came back and that was 36,000 students, you know, when they, the vast majority of them came back in, in late August, of course, COVID cases zoomed because like at Clemson, you know, kids want to go out. There's a, a, there's two main bar districts here in Columbia. Uh, you know, the, the cases rose really drastically, forcing the school president to say, you know, I don't want to have to do it, but we've got a plan to send the kids back home. And speaking from a football perspective, they were like, well, that's not going to change what we do because it was it would be the same as what we were doing in June and July. We'll be over here at the operations building with the practice field and the locker rooms, and we'll be in our little bubble. We'll be safe. There's no chance of getting COVID right there. So that's not a bad thing. But they only wanted that as kind of the last-ditch option just because, you know, online classes can be good in-person classes can be good. And 
just there's probably about, I don't know, 20, 25 members of that football team who just prefer in-person classes. They don't like to sit in front of a computer screen all day. I certainly understand that. You know, you, you can't just do this for 10 hours a day, especially if you're doing like academic college classes. So they wanted the in-person classes that's still proceeding. Um, and thankfully, the, all the cases here at USC have started to go down. Right, right. And that's why I, I feel like I'm interested to see what's going to happen with those college towns like Clemson, you know, to um, be losing such a large percentage, right, of their business, such a large share of their of their business from having this um, this reduced uh, season during during COVID. Um, well, thank you so much. Uh Josh and David for uh, joining us today and we'll just have to kind of see how the rest of football season you know plays out and hopefully you know we'll be able to see you know it come out to the end uh David uh where can listeners follow you to keep up with uh USC news just check me out on Twitter at DCPNC I'll always have links to my stuff and whatever's going on with USC and the Southeastern Conference and Josh where can listeners find you for Clemson updates also on Twitter, uh, it's at Josh Needleman. A uh, little funny spelling of the last name. It's N-E-E-D-E-L-M-A-N. All right. Thanks again to both of you for talking with us today. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for this podcast, you can find us on Twitter at UnderstandSC. We'll be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or on Twitter at understandsc. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll see you all next week.